Good evening. Welcome to Beijing Diary. This is Eric in Beijing. Tonight I'm going to be starting a、uh, study on the Gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the fourth book of the New Testament. Now I, I will talk later about、uh, the structure of the book and its place in relation to the other Gospels. But let me just say briefly that each of the four Gospels has a Basic function, I guess you'd say. Years ago, I was、uh, sitting in a truck stop when I was in the trucking industry, North、uh, Chicago, TA, north of Chicago, south of Milwaukee, and I was sitting there. I don't know, it was about two, three in the morning, and I was、uh, talking with another driver from my company. I can't remember now whether we were just under a load, we just picked up a load in Chicago, or we were, we were waiting to go in. But、uh, I think we probably on a weekend or something we had. Had some time to kill. Anyway,、uh, we were talking about everything under the sun, and but mainly about whether or not there was a god. And、uh, this guy was a philosophy major, didn't believe in God. So at one point in our conversation, he says, "You know, read the New Testament: Matthew, the life of Jesus; Mark, another life of Jesus; Luke, another biography of Jesus; John, another biography. Why do you need four of them?" Now, I don't remember exactly what I said to him at that time, but I'll give you the gist of it, very simply. Matthew is、uh, shows Christ as king. The first chapter of Matthew establishes that Jesus of Nazareth was legitimate heir to the throne of David. Now, I'm not sure how it happened, but Matthew, being a tax collector, probably had access to the tax records and traced the lineage. That's what all those begats are about. So. Matthew shows Christ as king. Mark、uh, shows Jesus as a servant. There's no lineage. Servants don't need a lineage. You know, slaves didn't have lineages. <laughs> Jesus is a servant. Uh, uh, Mark was written by John Mark. I don't know too much about his father, but his mother was a very godly woman, a prayer woman. She was the one,、uh, you know, that、uh, gathered all the people together to pray for Peter when he was in prison. So, and Mark,、uh, John Mark was, you could say it was written、uh, by Peter as told to John Mark.、Uh, I'm not even sure what,、uh, how much influence Peter had in that book, but quite a bit, I would think. I don't know quite the relationship, but he was a friend of the family. And, you know, as I said, she was the one who、uh, got everybody together. You remember in, in the Book of Acts when Peter was arrested, that was John Mark's mother. Uh, John Mark is mentioned、uh, once in the Gospels, actually in the Gospel of Mark, and、uh, quite evidently, this、uh, was the story, unusual story, is told only in the Gospel of Mark, and it is probably describing Mark himself as a young boy. He was watching as they were doing the very tense time when Jesus was being arrested and taken in, and Soldier grabbed him and remember that you probably remember that story and he ran away naked.、Uh, that was John Mark. So John Mark knew Jesus as a child. Jesus said, "Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not." John Mark was one of those children. I don't know if he was a small child or you know maybe ten, twelve years old or whatever.、Uh, he knew Jesus as a child and later. You remember he he appears in the book of Acts,、uh, traveling with Paul the apostle, 
and then he got homesick and went back and so then uh he wanted to join up again and Barnabas wanted Barnabas wanted to take him and Paul refused and so that created a split between Barnabas and Paul and uh, so Barnabas disappears from the scene but John Mark comes as recognized later by Paul the Apostle as uh, very useful. He he proved himself eventually. The Gospel of Luke is written by a Greek physician, actually the personal physician to Paul the Apostle. Luke shows Jesus as man. That's why the lineage in the uh, Gospel of Luke, in the third chapter of Luke, is a little different from the lineage in uh, the first chapter of Matthew. Because the lineage in Luke is the lineage of Jesus through his mother Mary. Mary and Joseph were both descendants of David. Joseph through Solomon and Mary through Nathan. So Luke shows Jesus as man. Luke was the basis for the, uh, the Jesus film. John shows Jesus as God. Uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the door, I am the good shepherd, and so on. So we're going to be studying the Gospel of John. John was the best friend of Jesus. He was known as the disciple that Jesus loved. Now this is John the disciple, not John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a cousin of Jesus, probably second or third cousin. Mary and Elizabeth were cousins. John's mother and the mother of Jesus Mary were were cousins, or yeah, probably cousins, cousins or second cousins. But anyway, they were related, uh, very close to each other. So John the Baptist and Jesus knew each other; they're part of the same family. But John the disciple was called by Jesus. You remember uh, when he asked John and his brother to to be his disciples, and they left their nets and followed him. John wrote five books in the New Testament. He wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote uh, the three epistles of John, and he wrote the book of Revelation. So John shows Jesus as God. Those are the four Gospels and their four basic functions. As I said, we'll talk more about that as we, as we pro- proceed through this. Okay, so let's... Uh, Take a look at the first verse, John chapter 1, verse 1. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and thank you that you, uh, you do want to speak to us. Thank you, Lord, that we have a speaking God. We have a God who listens, but also a God who speaks. Lord, we want to hear what you have to say. Give us wisdom, give us ears to hear and then obedient hearts to do your word, so that we will be uh, doers of the word and not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. I'm using basically the... uh, English Standard Version, but uh, I will be using different uh, versions as time goes on, or be comparing different versions, of course. 
So, you know, if you don't happen to have a standard version, you don't need to go out and buy a, a new Bible. I'll, I'll, I'll be comparing different versions. But the, uh, the English Standard Version does have a free plugin for eSword. Okay. Uh, now, uh, the Japanese. Hajime ni kotoba ga atta. By the way, uh, I am using the uh, 1955 uh, edition, and the reason is because that's the one that comes with eSword. I know there's some newer uh, versions, and uh, so you know, I'm not uh, I'm not pushing with the, with the Japanese. I'm not putting pushing one translation or version over another. It's just uh, this is the one that comes with eSword. If you if you know of a uh, a newer translation. You recommend a newer translation to me. I'm just going to ask one question. Does it have a free plugin for eSword? If yes, I'll take a look at it. If not, uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm not interested. So that's why I use this version. It's the one, it's the freebie that comes with uh, eSword. Hajime ni kotoba ga atta. Kotoba wa kami tomo ni atta. Kotoba wa kami de atta. Very straightforward. Okay, and uh, the Chinese, taishu yo dao. That uh, puzzled me. The word is exactly God. Now, you know, when I first came to China, why Dao? You know, uh, I would have expected uh, the character Yen, Beijing Yuyan Dasui. That's what I would have expected because that's what the Japanese uses, Kotoba. That's uh, in Chinese is yen, yen. Is it yeah yen? Um, but the Chinese uses da. Uh, it seems strange to me, but 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 uh, I've talked to several Chinese scholars, and they say even that aren't necessarily Christians, and they say no, that is an, a correct use of the word there. So let me read this to you. This is from the MDBG dictionary. Dao, road, path, principle, truth, morality. So you see, it has both. It has both concepts as a road, but also as a way of life or a way of truth or or whatever. Uh, I personally think that uh, the translators were probably trying to communicate the message that. We have the real doll. I mean, so in other words, I think the choice of this character, the use of this character, was influenced by uh, Taoism. At any rate, Tai Chi O Dao, Dao Yu Shen Tong Zai, Dao Zhou Shen. The word is exactly God. Now, uh, I went to the Greek, and uh, I really hadn't uh, looked at the Greek for this verse before. Not that much, anyway. I'd probably seen it before, but. I noticed something that caught my attention, and I have posted this on the blog post for this uh, episode. By the way, if you uh, right-click on the MP3 file and go to the properties, you can uh, you can get the link to the blog post for this episode. Okay, uh, the Greek that you see there on the blog post. Is from Bible Hub, and it shows the Greek. It shows the uh, well. It shows the the first. The, what you see first is the 
anglicized pronunciation for the Greek, and then you see the Greek, the actual Greek, and then you see the interlinear, the English interlinear of the Greek. So it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and God was the Word, not the Word was God. Well, that really made me uh, curious. So I begin to think, uh, why is that? And the problem is that when you when you try to look up this uh, verse, there's a lot of stuff uh, on the internet, by the way, for John. Well, there's actually a, a separate Wikipedia article just for this verse, John chapter one verse one. But you'll notice that when you when you look it up, everybody argues about the article or defi- indefinite or definite article or indefinite article, whether it should be in the beginning was the word or the word was was God or whether the word was it should be the word was God or the word was a God. Uh, it's very difficult to get uh, information or ideas about why the arrangement of the words is reversed, why the syntax is reversed. Uh, you read commentaries that they don't even, they just blow right by it. They don't even mention it. But I did find a couple explanations. And I, I've, I posted the links on my blog there. I don't believe that it was changed for grammatical reasons. I think it was changed for uh, stylistic reasons. I think it. I think somebody changed it because they thought it sounded better. And so, some translator somewhere along the line said, "You know, God was the Word, and the Word was God. Essentially, the same meaning. Let's just switch it around a bit. It sounds better in English." And when translators take those kinds of liberties, and they do take those kinds of liberties, they did it with the word baptizo in in uh, in the English, I mean in that in the New Testament, uh, in the original Greek, the word baptizo is used. You can you know I I did this many years ago using the Young's Analytical. I may talk about this too if when we get to. Uh, Get to talking about baptism. I, I'm not sure for how much we're going to go into that, but anyway, uh, there's a verse in Luke. Can't remember the reference now, where the word baptizo is used for ordinary, everyday, in everyday use. You know, it's translated as wash, wash or washing. And uh, uh, whereas when it's t- describing the ordinance of baptism, they thought, well, we'll just uh, transliterate it in in, in those cases. So in the English, you have two different words, wash and baptism. The original Greek, only one word. Who gave the translators the authority to do that? Nobody. They just did it and opened a Pandora's box of all kinds of controversy. And I think the same thing has happened here. But uh, I'm not a Greek scholar. <laughs> I don't know Greek. So how do I go about... Uh, Refuting what these guys are saying, I had only one face in the hole, so to speak. I uh, many years ago, also when I was a truck driver, I had a had a Latin grammar, and I had a a book called uh, English Grammar for Students of Latin, and a dictionary, and uh, I'd go in the truck stop, you know, once in a while, and it was just sort of a hobby. I, my idea was to 
read Newton's Principia in the original, I mean, yeah, in the original Latin. <laughs> Best laid plans, I'll never read it in English to say nothing of Latin. At the time, I uh, wasn't thinking uh, particularly about the Bible, because at that time, where would you find a Latin Bible? Probably some Catholic seminary. Now, the Latin Vulgate is a free plug-in for eSword. If I'd have known that then, I would have given a little more attention to my Latin study. But uh, my Latin study came and went, and uh, the only thing I have left from that little project is a very nice little Latin dictionary. And believe it or not, it's followed me all the way here to China. Sitting right over there on my bookshelf here in uh, South Hardship Village. It's in mint condition, too. Not proud of that. I'm just stating as a fact. But I've been busy. My Chinese dictionaries are in shreds. <laughs> Actually, I use, uh, use online dictionaries now. So I thought, well, just out of curiosity, that I'm, since I'm too stubborn to accept these uh, grammatical explanations, I'm going to take a look at the Latin. So I'm going to read it for you. Now, this is Latin, not Greek. You can listen to this. I didn't read the Greek. I don't expect you to listen to Greek. But Latin, you know, 50% of English vocabulary comes from Latin. And when you start talking about uh, abstract concepts, it goes up to like 80%. So if you're a native speaker of English, or if you're quite familiar with English, and you listen carefully, you'll recognize some words. So listen to this. This is John chapter 1, verse 1, in the Latin Vulgate. In principio erat verbum, et verbum erat apud deum, et deus erat verbum. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Deus erat verbum. Deus, clearly a subject ending. Verbum, clearly an object ending. God was the Word. So you see, Jerome preserves that original uh, order. Now, I know what you're going to say. The Latin Vulgate's only a translation. That's true. I don't know Greek, but uh, Jerome knew Greek, and I like Jerome. No Jerome, no Wycliffe, right? You guys know the difference between Wycliffe and Tyndale, right? Wycliffe was the first one to bring out... Uh, a written Bible in English, or portions of it. But Wycliffe translated directly from the Latin Vulgate. Wycliffe didn't know Greek. Tyndale went back to the uh, original Greek. Tyndale did know Greek. He knew Greek, Latin. He knew eight languages, they say, so well that uh, any one of them could have been his native tongue. So Tyndale's is the first that comes from Greek directly to English. Now, he, I don't think he did the whole Bible. I think he just did the New Testament. So the first whole Bible, he, he's not hes not re, uh, recognized in history as being the first person to bring the whole Bible into English, I don't think. But, but he is recognized as uh, introducing a lot of words into English, having a, uh, an extraordinary English uh, influence on the English language. So let's take a look at Tyndale's New Testament. This is from a Bible hub. Now, of course, we could assume that uh, Wycliffe is going to follow the same pattern as Jerome because he was translating directly from the Latin. But here's Tyndale. 
in the beginning was that word, and that word was with God, and God was that word. So, you see, even Tyndale recognizes, he preserves the original Greek order in English. You're going to tell me that Tyndale didn't know what a predicate nominative was? So, again, I don't know Greek, but uh, Tyndale knew Greek. Tyndale knew Greek, Jerome knew Greek, Martin Luther knew Greek. Luther's not getting enough credit, you know. He Sometimes you almost see him portrayed as sort of a brash, uh, dogmatic person. And, you know, Melanchthon's supposed to be the Greek scholar, but, but Luther was a Greek scholar. Greek and Latin, both very strong. And, of course, Melanchthon knew Greek. Melanchthon, Melanchthon uh, graduated from college when he was... Uh, 14, and he was professor of Greek at Wittenberg when he was 21. Now, why do I mention Martin Luther? Well, Martin Luther translated the Bible into German. And, uh, you know, Tyndale was the one who brought it into English. Now, now Wycliffe died a natural death, but Tyndale was burned at the stake. I think they strangled him first and then burned him at the stake. And Wycliffe, the Pope got, got so mad at him, after he was dead, he actually had his body dug up, and I don't know what they did to it. I can't remember now if they burned his dead body at the stake or cut it up. Or do, just ridiculous. But he he died a natural death. But uh, Tyndale was burned at the stake, and uh, but you know you you so you know there was a lot of uh, persecution and a lot of pressure, a lot of resistance to the Bible being brought out into the language of the common people. So, you know, originally I get this idea of Tyndale hiding out in some country farmhouse translating the Bible into English. But in fact, he wasn't hiding out in some farmhouse, country farmhouse, you know. He wasn't even in England. Tyndale was in Wittenberg. Now, let's see. When did Luther's translation come out? I think it... Uh, Let's see, the date I have for Luther's Bible is at least the New Testament is 1522. Tyndale showed up in Wittenberg uh, in 1525, and he had finished the uh, New Testament in the, by the end of that year, 1525, 1526, something like that. So how much was he influenced by Luther's New Testament? Well, I don't know if anybody knows the answer to that question, but I... I understand he did want to uh, use the, uh, you know, Luther took advantage of a parallel edition that Erasmus put out, Greek and Latin parallel edition, and Tyndale wanted to use the same thing. But I'm sure that Tyndale was influenced quite significantly by Luther's Bible also, because, uh, you know, he's... Tyndale had a big influence on the English language. He introduced several words into the to the English language. For example, the word Passover. That's Tyndale's creation. But uh, he's also given credit for the expression mercy seat. But according to Wikipedia, mercy seat is actually a direct literal translation from German. So it was not Tyndale who coined that expression. It was Martin Luther. Now, as I said, Tyndale spoke eight languages very, very fluently. Greek, of course, Latin, Hebrew, 
Uh, you'd have to count English. That's four. And one of them was German. And I'm not sure what the other three were. But definitely for our purposes, Greek, Latin, Hebrew, German, and English. Clearly he had mastered all those languages. So he knew German very well. He knew Greek and he knew Latin. So no problem for him to read the original Greek, for him to read the Latin, for him to read Luther's Bible. So let's take a look at Luther's Bible. And again, uh, you know, Luther's sometimes not given credit for being a linguist, but uh, he was very, very good in both Greek and Latin. I um, remember years ago, I many years ago, I was back when I was in college, I was looking for a book by Luther, and uh, in those days, you know, you go to a bookstore, and if you if you uh, if it's not immediately available, they don't they didn't have uh, the internet then, you know. So they used this book called Books and Print. I can't remember for sure. I think it was a commentary on the Galatians I was looking for. And uh, this is a big uh, Bible bookstore in, in Salem, Oregon, big Christian bookstore. Didn't have it, and so. I went up to the desk, and so this lady's uh, going through books in print, and I told her, you know, the name of the book and the author, Martin Luther. And so she's sort of going through it and sort of mumbling to herself, and partly to herself and partly to me, and she says, hmm, must be a German fellow. says here, Bible in German. I said, yeah, he translated the Bible into German. Let's take a look at uh, Luther's translation. Now, you know, I can, I can, I can sort of fake it with Latin, but German, I don't know any German. But you know what they say: fools rush in where angels fear to trod. So I'm going to read the German, John chapter one verse one: "Im Anfang war das Wort." It's Wort W O R T instead of W O R D. Und das Wort war begot. Gott. Two T's. So you have to put a little extra emphasis. <laughs> Listen, we teach in German as if I know what I'm talking about. Apparently the Germans like T instead of D or something. In Anfang war das Wort. Und das Wort war begot. Und Gott war das Wort. How about that? Same thing. So, now I got Jerome on my side. I got Wycliffe on my side. I got Tyndale on my side. Presumably, I got Rasmus on my side, because he's the one who did the parallel translation that both Luther and Tyndale used. I got Luther on my side. And uh, if you got Luther, you can pretty much figure you got Melanchthon. Uh, now, Melanchthon didn't translate the Bible, but, you know, Melanchthon was the, the Greek was, you know. I mean, certainly he would have read it, right? Uh, don't you think, uh, you think if he read uh, John chapter 1, verse 1, and it thought it wasn't Luther translated wrongly, that he would say, oh, I better not say anything? No. Don't you think he'd be like, Martin, it's a predicate now, but you have to get a clue here. But, uh, he apparently endorsed it. In fact, at one time, I don't know, there was one scripture in the book of Romans. You know, people used to ask, why do you follow Luther? And 
Melanchthon said because his translation of Romans, uh, the Bible, is, is correct. And he mentioned that one scripture in Romans. And I, you know how it is, you read something and you forget to write it down and uh, forget it. But anyway, uh, you know, Melanchthon appreciated and respected Luther's Greek. So you still want to convince me that you're right and all, all of us guys are wrong. you got to do two things. If you want to persuade me that it was changed for grammatical reasons, first of all, I need to know, I need to have several examples, you know, where the syntax being reversed, you know how uh, the subject, ver in English, the standard, standard order is, standard syntax is subject, verb, object. The boy hit the ball. So, you want to tell me it's supposed to be turned around in that case, I need to see several examples of that in classical or Koine Greek because they wouldn't be that different in that respect, he said, hoping he was right. I don't know. <laughs> but I want to see several several usage examples. Usage is really important. You know, when you see how something's used, that's that's quite persuasive in terms of uh, understanding what it what it means in that language. When I was coming to China, I, I remember I was in a church in uh, a Japanese church, and uh, so was showing me this uh, some kind of a newsletter from China. It said on one side N I, and then on the other side H A O, Ni Hao. I said, "What is that?" He said, "That's how you say hello in Chinese." <laughs> I said, "Ni." How? Ni how? That can't be right. It sounds too weird. And I asked my tutor, you know, I said, you know, do they actually say ni how in China? <laughs> I remember getting my car and ni how? How's your knee? <laughs> that just sounds so strange. And uh, anyway, Ina said, yeah, yeah, they say that all the time. And uh, I came to China, and of course, it's very common, you know. Ni hao, ni hao, ni hao, dao shang hao, wang shang hao, lao shi hao. And now, when the little children see me, ye hao, thank you very much. But, you know, now it doesn't sound strange at all. I hear it all the time. With Japanese, if you say, if you look up in the dictionary, how do you say goodbye? Say But you never hear people say that, you know. It's always like, so the way people actually speak is really important in terms of understanding uh, what 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 a word means and and the grammatical structure. So I need to see uh, several examples of that. But the other thing I want to know is who made the change, which version started the because all the modern English versions say. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But the original Greek, the Latin Vulgate, Luther's translation, Tyndale's translation, presumably Erasmus' translation, they all have the original order just like the Greek. So there goes your predicate nominative argument, unless you want to convince me that Luther and Melanchthon and Erasmus and Tyndale and all those guys didn't have a clue what a predicate nominative was. I'm not buying it, you guys. I'm convinced it was made and changed for stylistic reasons, not grammatical reasons. Now, why is this important? 
Well, in terms of the literal meaning, in this case, I don't think it makes that big a difference. But when they switched it around, they opened the Pandora's box because a lot of people now will say, uh, my Jehovah's Witnesses and my Muslim friends, and Jews too sometimes when they're talking about this, although you don't really hear too much argument from Jews about the New Testament. They just don't follow it. Muslims claim to believe it. You know, it's in Geo, so so there's more of an argument. But the idea is, you know, in the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was a God. Well, it doesn't make any sense to say a God was the word. But it does make grammatical sense to say the word was a God. So I think that switching it around opened the Pandora's box. You know, it allowed for a lot of... Uh, misunderstanding and mistranslation of the scripture. Now, I'm going to be talking about this more when we get to verse 2. But I don't uh, spend a lot of time talking about the article, the definite article, because whether or not it's grammatically correct, it's semantically monstrous, and I'll explain that later. Forget about the grammar. It just doesn't make sense semantically to say the word was a God. I'll explain that when we get to to verse 2. But... It does sound okay grammatically to say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. That does sound okay grammatically. It's not correct semantically, if you if you understand. I mean, it, it creates a, a, a conflict, which I will talk about later. I focus on the semantics, because I think that's more important than whether it's an ar- indefinite article or a definite article. But my point is, if they had left it the way it was in the original it would have been much harder for these uh, different groups to change it to the word was a God because it doesn't make sense grammatically to say in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and a God was the word. That doesn't make sense. Oh, what a tangled web we weave and first we practice to screw things and rearrange things because we think we know better than God. So I think they did it for stylistic reasons. But I did, as as a... Mentioned those two articles, I did post a link for those on the blog post for this episode, so you can take a look at them. By the way, you owe me a debt of gratitude. It was not easy to find that. Most, when you do a search for John chapter 1, verse 1, most people want to argue about whether it's a God or the God. I found two articles, and I, I, I had a hard time finding them. In fact, I, I almost gave I did give up. I said, well, I'll just have to mention that there's this argument, but I just, I couldn't let it go. I, I wanted to find them, even though I don't accept their argument, I wanted to have them there for you to look at. I don't believe that the word order was changed for grammatical reasons. I believe it was changed for stylistic reasons. Okay. But I would uh, say that in terms of the meaning, it doesn't, it's not a fundamental change. Whether you say the word was God or God was the word, that's not the problem. The problem is that it opened the door for mistranslation in my opinion, or misinterpretation. But it's very important to emphasize this. When, you know, when God spoke the word, when God said, let there be light, it was not just a command to which nature, nature had uh, to respond. That word, that logos, was the very being, the very essence of God. God spoke himself into darkness, and the darkness became light. 
Bang! And the rest, as they say, is history. Okay, we'll leave it there for today. Now, before we go, I'm going to just sing a little song for you. You know, I, uh, I kind of want to acquaint you with some uh, old gospel songs that uh, I think have uh, been largely lost in modern churches. Don't hear them more anymore in America. Now, I got a pleasant surprise when I came to China that the old three self-churches, they sing a lot of those gospel songs. But uh, many churches in America, they you don't you never hear them anymore. But you're gonna hear them from me. So I'll uh, sing one for you. I'm not a, I'm not a musical performer by any stretch. I think I'm the only person in my family didn't get into the choir at Hillcrest. Well, Melody didn't go to Hillcrest, but she was in the string band in the Bible school, which she should be with that guitar verse. But, uh, you know, I tried out when I was a sophomore, and I didn't get in. And when I was a junior, I thought, what am I doing this for? You know, I'm not a music performer. This just isn't me. So I'm not a, I'm not a professional music performer, but uh, I do want to share these uh, old gospel hymns with you. But before I do, I want to uh, make a point about, about uh, what we're going to be doing as we go through the Gospel of John. And I would like you to focus on one specific question. And the question is, who did Jesus think he was? You know, Jesus said to his disciples, who do you say that I am? I want to turn that around and, and say, who did Jesus say he was? Is there anything in the Gospel of John that indicates who Jesus thought he was. Focus on that one question as we go through this, okay? Okay. Give me the Bible, star of gladness gleaming, to cheer the wanderer lone and tempest-tossed. No storm can hide that peaceful radiance beaming, since Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Give me the Bible, holy message shining. Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combining, till moon shall vanish in eternal day. Give me the Bible when my heart is broken, when sin and grief have filled my soul with fear. Give me the precious words by Jesus spoken. Hold up face lamp to show my Savior near. Give me the Bible, holy message shining. Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combining. Till moon shall vanish in eternal day. Give me the Bible, all my steps enlighten. Teach me the danger of these realms below. That lamp of safety or the gloom shall brighten. That light alone the path of peace can show. Give me the Bible, holy message shining. Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combining. Till moon shall vanish in eternal day. Give me the Bible, lamp of life immortal, 
Hold up that splendor by the open grave. Show me the light from heaven's shining portal. Show me the glory gilding Jordan's wave. Give me the Bible, holy message shining. Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combining. Till moon shall vanish in eternal day. Amen. Okay, you guys. That's it for today. Remember the question now. Who did Jesus think he was? Okay, thanks for being with us, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is hosted online at beijingdiary.podbean.com. That's beijingdiary.podbean.com.